0: People who were alive in 1963 can tell you exactly where they were and what they were doing the day John F. Kennedy was shot, and though it's much more recent, the same can be said for those during 9-11. Today is one of those days, for this is the day that a Superman has died. 2022 marks the 30th anniversary of a little-known story called Death of Superman. And like the people in the story, I can actually remember where I was when it happened, or when it was announced that Superman was going to die. We were watching the news, and we were at my grandparents' house in Florida. My dad's parents. And I remember it because it was a rare opportunity for us to go down at Thanksgiving time. But I remember I was drawing or reading or doing something on the floor and the news came on that superman was going to die and i just remember being well one surprised and two i was just like yeah he's not gonna die now i should point out that at this point superman was my favorite hero although i hadn't read a ton of comics about him most of the ones i had read were pre-crisis comics although i didn't know anything about the crisis at the time and the only time that i had actually seen superman close to death in a comic book. Was, uh, I was probably six, and we were in a comic shop, and I had picked up a copy. It has to be either the third or fourth issue of Dark Knight Returns, although it was just called Dark Knight then. And it involved, it's the part where Superman gets caught in that nuclear explosion, and is basically skeletal, and then gets close enough to the sun where he's able to, you know, buff back up and restore himself. So I'm like, if that can happen, there's no way Superman's going to die. I guess it's pretty obvious why that stuck with me. I was kind of surprised at how dark comics could get, I guess, at that point too. But yeah, seeing that scene was just, it was just ingrained in my head forever. It still is, but now I can actually read the comic and see what's going on. Ironically, though, it wouldn't be until way, way after the death I had happened that I'd finally be able to read the book. And it's weird because I could swear to you that the first time I read it, it was someone else's copy. See, I didn't really read it, read it, because we weren't going to be there that long. We were visiting for dinner as a family, and we weren't going to be there that long. So I just kind of skimmed through it. And I swear to you, when I look through this, number one, it was a hardcover. Number two, all the pages were in black and white. And number three, it was about twice as long. As the actual book ended up being. I don't know what I read. I know it wasn't Superman to the, from the 30s to the 80s. And I know it wasn't Superman from the 30s to the 70s. I know that much. But I was very surprised when I finally got a copy of the Death of Superman trade years later. And one, it was all in color. It was much shorter. And I thought things had been left out. But, it, you know, I, I obviously I've learned since then. None of the issues were cut out. So I don't know what I read. Seriously. Anyway. I thought it would be kind of fun to take a look at the death and return of Superman in, in honor of the anniversary of such a big, momentous event, especially since it's kind of helped me get into comics in the first place. But this is going to be just a quick overview-type deal. I say quick. This is probably going to be two episodes. But it's going to be an overview-type deal. If you want a fully thorough look at the death, funeral, and return of Superman I highly recommend checking out From Crisis to Crisis, as well as the Fortress of Bailey 2 website, because not only are the episodes posted there, but there's also all sorts of contemporary media articles and videos and stuff about the death of Superman as it came out. I will post links in the show notes, so I highly recommend checking that out. But before we get into the comics, it is kind of important also to take a look at the -the behind-the-scenes events that led to the story in the first place. It started during one of those super summits where all the Superman creators and the editors would meet up at a central location and hammer out plans for the next few months or year of comics. Uh, for late 92 and early 93, there were two milestone issues coming up in quick succession, uh, Superman number 75 and Adventures of Superman 500. Reportedly, the initial plan was to have the wedding of Lois and Clark occur in one of these presumably uh with them setting the date in superman 75 and the actual wedding occurring in action or action in adventures 500 Uh, however there was this new show in production originally it was called lois lane's daily planet but then it became known as lois and clark the new adventures of superman and it was going to put quite a bit of focus on the romance between well lois and clark So the comic creators, they decided that it might be a good idea to hold off on the wedding and do something else instead. The problem is that they needed something quick and something fast. Now, when they were throwing out ideas, one of the things that happened was that Jerry Ortaway, one of the writers and previous artists, he liked to throw out, let's just kill him. And this time, with not too many options left, they kind of went with it. So that is exactly what happened. They hammered out the whole story. Uh, they ham well. They hammered out the death, and they hammered out the funeral, and then they decided to take a quick, paw- a quick pause and reconvene to figure out how to bring him back. Unfortunately, what this meant was there was not really any setup; it just kind of happens out of nowhere, which actually is kind of cool uh, because you know, unlike Doctor Who, who's which er- which sets you up for regeneration, like. For the whole season leading up to it or so, it seems like, at least in the current series. For the most part, death is pretty sudden. And it's really cool that it ends up working out that way because, I mean, there was no preparation for this. Either behind the scenes or in the comics. Uh, The closest thing we actually get to a setup uh, was the final page at the end of all four of the Superman books with a November 1992 cover date. Uh, They're all basically the same, with a mysterious gloved hand punching at a metallic wall. Uh, it was always somewhere else, unrelentingly, unstoppably, unbelievably. And every issue, more and more of this glove would be torn away as bony protrusions would grow out of the knuckles of this hand punching at the wall. where To the point where by the time we got to action number 683... The final panel showed The Fist busting through the metallic wall and declaring that Doomsday is here. Now, despite reports at the time, these pages were the first official appearances of Doomsday. Uh, There were many claims that earlier issues going as far back as the end of the previous big event, Panic in the Sky, had started laying the groundwork for Doomsday, but the last-minute nature of this story meant that there were no plans for Doomsday when that stuff took place. A lot of people sold some of the more some of the older issues for a lot of money for that, and, ooh, terrible. Anyway, the true story begins in Superman, The Man of Steel number 18. Now, while most of this issue is actually just a typical Superman story uh, involving Lois investigating these underworld creatures, as well as Keith getting in the way, and Superman having to save everyone from the underworlders, That was basically most of the issue. As far as the Metropolis stuff goes, you would have no idea anything was coming. But the rest of the issue showed Doomsday and his disregard for, well, anything really. And his ability to cause destruction, including crushing a bird in its bare hands. Anyway. I really like this because, like I said, it shows that death can come at any time. Superman has no idea that his killer is coming, and killer doesn't even know he's heading towards Superman. That issue ends with a call to the Justice League. Now, at this point, there were two Justice Leagues, Justice League America and Justice League Europe. Superman had been a member of Justice League America since shortly after Panic in the Sky, so this crossover does make sense. What doesn't make sense is the timing. Part one in Man of Steel ended at nighttime. It's very, e- it's very clearly nighttime. Vehicles are shown with their headlights. It's even nighttime in Metropolis. But by the time we get to the first page of Justice League America's number sixty-nine, it's morning. How the Justice League has taken all night and still hasn't confronted the monster, or Superman doesn't know about it yet, is pretty weird. Also, how he hasn't responded to this re- problem is also kind of interesting. Anyway, the Justice League is apparently spending all night rescuing people from the Rampage before finally deciding it's time to go after the big guy. Meanwhile, Superman is speaking at a high school in Metropolis. This is basically a nice introduction to the JLA in case you are just joining for this storyline. It introduces characters and Superman's uh, thoughts on each of the characters, bringing you up to speed on why Guy Gardner is no longer Green Lantern, and all this other stuff. We also meet this punk kid named Mitch, who's at a high school I think in Ohio, and they're watching it on TV because I guess the whole country's supposed to be watching this report. And he he's more of a Guy Gardner fan. He's basically everyone's favorite an he's he's basically a lot of the other teenagers at this time period who were more into the anti heroes like the Punisher or Venom or well Guy Gardner. During the interview, we also see Doomsday making very short work of the other JLA members, and all with one hand literally tied behind his back, by the way. It isn't until Superman's interview is cut short by a special bulletin about the JLA fighting Doomsday that he's even aware of a problem and finally rushes off to help. In Superman 74, Maxima rushes Blue Beetle to the hospital, while Mitch gets to go home early because school closed early because of the danger. As a teenager written by adults, all he does is complain, Complaining about his crappy life. Complaining about his mom not paying him enough attention. And only paying attention to the baby. Who, I don't know if you know this, requires a lot more attention than a teenager. Uh, And also, she doesn't have time to do the shopping or whatever. I, I don't know if you know this, but it's hard to be a single mom. When the dad has left. And you have a baby. In any event... That part has always hit me wrong, but anyway. He's just sitting there complaining and saying some really nasty stuff to his mom until ice comes crashing through the window. Meanwhile, outside, the rest of the Justice League members who can still stand also arrive, including Superman who takes a punch to the gut with no problem, but a kick since the man is still all the way through the house, regrouping any leaguers that can fire blasts hit Doomsday with everything they have. Superman with his heat vision, Guy Gardner with his Sinestro ring, Fire with her... Fire? Booster Gold with his energy blasters, Bloodwind with his eye blasts of whatever. And all this does is basically free Doomsday's other hand and give us a look at about half of his face. As he tears through the league. an errant eye blast causes a fire that then causes a gas line to explode. Doomsday leaps off to get away, and Superman gives chase. But with the rest of the league down and the fire about to consume him and his family, Mitch is forced to call to Superman for help. In Adventures of Superman number 497, Superman realizes that the others can't help Mitch, so he forces Doomsday far down into the silt under a lake and heads back to save the day. But by the time he returns, Doomsday has leapt out of the lake and through a military helicopter. Superman hits the monster with a middle... I changed it to middle in my notes superman hits the monster with a missile while he saves the airmen and then battles and then the battle continues tearing through a small town in metropolis lois collects jimmy to go cover the story and lex luther II, which is a long story i'm not going to get into right now has supergirl also a long story i'm not going to get into right now stay in town in case the monster makes it to metropolis back in this small town with no name other than kirby county Maxima has arrived, and while she doesn't care much about the innocent bystanders, she does manage to knock Doomsday around quite a bit. Despite working together, Doomsday manages to hold his own until they crash to a gas station, where Maxima pulling up up a light pole causes a huge explosion. While this knocks out the heroes, Doomsday is able to get up quickly and move on. When he comes to, Superman realizes that he's going to have to figure out a way to stop this monster on his own. Moving on to Action Comics 684, Superman spends quite a bit of time reacting to Doomsday's rampages, especially after the monster brings down an overpass. But after Doomsday busts through a Lexmart, an ad on TV directs him to Metropolis. After a quick yet destructive fight, Superman manages to throw Doomsday quite a distance in the opposite direction, crashing into Habitat, the tree city of the Cadmus Project. Superman has started realizing that he is starting to wear down even hitting Doomsday is starting to hurt. So he uses some of the large tree structures, which are about as hard as steel at this point, and he starts knocking Doomsday around, even to the point that the whole structure tumbles down around them as the Guardian arrives. This still doesn't seem to slow the monster down as he... I don't know what he does here. It's just the stuff explodes from him. I don't know if he's throwing it, or if he's busted it away from him, or what, but whatever he does, it knocks both Superman and the Guardian back and out. And then Doomsday starts leaping at half the speed of sound, going about 100 miles a step, and he's heading straight for Metropolis. In Man of Steel number 19, Doomsday has already arrived in Metropolis and killed some construction workers before Superman's able to arrive and carry him high into the sky. But a kick from Doomsday sends him back down to the ground and Superman crashing through the construction site. Uh, Not the easier way to go. Meanwhile, Doomsday crashes down under the ground into the underworld and takes out a few of the creatures there before Superman arrives. And as he tries to take him back to the surface, Doomsday's foot gets stuck on a conduit, subjecting both combatants to their second large electric explosion of the day and causing a massive shockwave that damages a good chunk of the city. By this point, reinforcements have arrived to help, but they still aren't much help. This includes Supergirl, who, with one punch, gets reverted back to her protoplasmic state. I told you it was a long story. So Superman swears that he will stop Doomsday in Metropolis, even if it kills him. Which brings us to Superman 75. Doomsday flings Superman into a helicopter that Lois and Jimmy are reporting from, which forces him to leave the battle for a bit to go save them. Our hero takes a second to tell Lois that he'll always love her, and then flies back into action. As the, lo- as the fighting continues, their blows are so powerful that it causes shockwaves blowing out windows all around them. But both are exhausted, and they put everything they have into one final blow. As both combatants go down, Superman struggles to see if Doomsday has been stopped. When Lois confirms that Doomsday is down, the hero finally allows himself to relax and dies in Lois' arms. I will admit that I don't read this story too often. Uh, For one thing, it's not fun to watch your favorite superhero getting the snot kicked out of him, whether he or she dies at the end or not. It's why I even more rarely watch Superman Returns in its entirety. I'll usually watch up to about the time where Superman saves Lois and everyone from that boat. And then I usually will stop it there because I just don't like seeing, especially Lex Luthor, uh, beating the crap out of him. It's also why I rarely watch Superman Doomsday or, obviously, The Death of Superman animated movies. It's the same reason I don't read Nightfall too often or watch Dark Knight Rises. Actually, I don't watch Dark Knight Rises for many reasons, but that is one of them. I am so glad that I read this story after the fact so that I could read it all at once rather than having to wait slowly over the course of a month and a half to get to the end. My god. In any event, the Death storyline is a fairly simple story, which makes it easy to skip over or skim through, for the most part, as almost none of the ongoing subplots are really touched upon except for the Bloodwind subplot in Justice League. It's also a fairly quick read, as each chapter reduces the panel count per page until Superman 75 is all splash pages. But, to be fair, the Death is mostly just the setup. The real meat of the story is the next part, Funeral for a Friend which we will check out next time. I want to thank you all for listening. I hope you have a wonderful week, and I will see you next time with more Superman goodness again. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Charlie's Geekcast. Feedback for the show can be sent to charliesgeekcast at gmail.com, or you can feel free to leave a comment at the show's posting at charliesgeekcast.com. All images and music heard on the show are copyright, their respective copyright holders, and are used for entertainment purposes only. No infringement is intended. Charlie SkiCast is a proud member of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network. Please be sure to stop by Two True Freaks to check out more great shows. Thank you again for listening, and good night.